Welcome to the Weave Your Bliss podcast. I'm your host, Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer and business coach helping you to live in your purpose. And that is what this podcast is all about. So let's jump right in to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I have such a fun interview with you today that's all about divination and what it is and ancestral healing and all these good topics. It's my conversation with Aislinn Kirkhart, who is a voice diviner who works with the Contomble, the little people, and is an initiated voice diviner, poet, artist, and healer who has been working over the years with spirit, ancestral healing, and earth-based ritual. And she offers a seasonal membership called the Shrine of the Heart. We will include that in the show notes, as well as private mentoring in her course on ancestral healings. Her offerings center around the teaching of the Contomble, who are the little people of the earth, reuniting individuals with their ancestral roots, soul purpose, and unique heart medicine. So I am excited to have this interview with Aislinn here on the podcast today because she talks about her journey, which seems to move seamlessly from theater into divination, um, which is really cool. And also we talk about who the little people are and how working with them is so profound. And she even gives us a message from them for these times. We talk about her teacher, Maladoma Somme, and how he has brought these teachings to the West, and so much more. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Just a reminder, too, before we jump in, that you can still receive $50 off the Planets course until April the 12th. That course allows you to take a deep dive into the nine archetypes so that you can better understand yourself. And I give you a ton of remedies and stories so that you can put these things into context so that you can better understand karma, so you can understand what this form of divination even is. And in order to get that discount for podcast listeners only, you can go to weaveyourbliss.teachable.com, click on the planets, and then sign up using the code podcast in all caps, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And that will allow you to get $50 off. And then you can join us on the 12th for a Q&A with me. That's totally free for everyone who's inside the course. I hope you'll join us and enjoy this conversation with Aislinn Kerkart. Hello, Aislinn. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Paula. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful for you being here. Aw, I'm grateful to be here and I'm grateful for you too. (laughs) (laughs) I always kind of start with people walking me through their journey a little bit. And I know you have such an interesting story. Um, So I was wondering if you could talk us through how you went from being an actress to then becoming a diviner. (laughs) Oh my, yes, I can. So it can be, you know, quite the long story. I was always spiritual growing up. Like I always had a propensity towards the sacred, even if I didn't understand what that was when I was little. And I would see spirit and hear spirit, but I didn't grow up with a context that really grounded that or confirmed it or said it was real. So that led me to essentially 
you know, when I was searching for what is my purpose as a young teenager growing up on the East Coast, like, what is my purpose? What do I want to do? I didn't really know. Sound, being an actress sounded really fun. <laughs> because if I was an actress, I could be everything. I could have all the purposes. And I had the most fun when I was in that playful state of performance and being on stage. And I think looking back now, I realized that it was the closest that I came growing up to ritual. It was the closest, closest context I had for ritual. It was, you know, essentially a container in which you have an intention that you fulfill and, and you meet the unknown within that space and anything can happen. I ended up going to theater school for that, for college, to conservatory. Really dived in deep, really immersed myself in the ritual of theater. Found a deep love for that and also had a lot of struggles just with being a human <laughs> as we all move through in our life. And also still not feeling completely in my purpose or like I knew what that was. And something that I was constantly like interfacing with was a lot of self-doubt. Now I would say it's like unhealed ancestral trauma and wounds around my gifts and my ability to connect with spirit and to see spirit. So when I made it out of acting school and out of conservatory, and I was kind of like adulting and on my own and ready to get, get going in the world and being confronted with all of those really natural, really human, really hard challenges of just being a young person trying to find their way in the modern world, I went even deeper into the ritual aspects of theater and found myself working with um, women who were devoting themselves to devising pieces to the goddess and writing about feminine empowerment. And I wrote a one-woman show that was called Ten Cent Whore and it was all about resurgence or the reclamation of the ancient temple priestess arts, which was something that I didn't totally know about, but like I felt a deep knowing in my soul and a deep remembering. So it was through theater that like the memory and memory within my cells started to awaken. Again, I was continually being confronted with my ability to see and hear spirit in a way that was not making life easeful, in a way that was, in fact, making it quite hard and painful, in a way where it was, there was a lot of lower vibrational energies coming around, trying to take roost <laughs> within my psyche. And for that reason, causing me a lot of like deep soul pain, spiritual and emotional pain, and a deep loneliness. And while I lived in the city, I, went through a, a lot of loneliness, even though I was busy all the time, active in different projects, the working actress life, four different jobs and a play and but just like this deep sense of, of loneliness and lack of identity. It was through that writing that one woman play that I started to like strum the chord of a sense of identity and a sense of who I was or who I might have been, maybe even in a past life. And then had to go and do this like a uh, horribly awkward, vulnerable thing of performing it in front of people, <laughs> which is what, you know, the beauty and, and also perhaps the, I want to say like the beauty slash monstrosity of a one person show. <laughs> it actually went over pretty well, but it was like this catapult for me. 
that was at once like connecting me with this deeper longing of purpose. And while in the outer world, I was like achieving a certain level of, I guess what you could say success in like the Chicago theater world to this play that was funded by a, a city grant and an awesome director, female director step in and things were happening, you could say. And my soul just wasn't feeling it. And I ended up leaving Chicago. And I, in a sense, ran away, I would say. Like, I, I ran away from that path. And I went and I took my one-woman show to the Fringe Festival in New Orleans. And I performed it there. And I, I packed up five suitcases and moved down there. And I stayed. There was like a deep fracture within my being. Like, a part of me thought I might still go back and, and return to my actress life, but this other part knew there was something more that was calling me. So it was in New Orleans that I started to uncover what that something more was. You know, step by step, person by person, experience by experience, I found my way to becoming someone who would offer tarot readings for others and do healing sessions and became a Reiki master. I traveled the world traveled to some different places for the first time in my life and had some big spiritual experiences. And it kind of just all unfolded from there. Mm. Like specifically right now, you're a, a contemble voice diviner. Could you talk a little bit more about what that means? Who are the little people? And how did you learn? How did you come to work with them? <laughs> so the contemble are the little people that come specifically from the Dagra people. Burkina Faso, West Africa. And the little people are the little people all over the world. They, there's many nations, many cultures know them by many different names. Like we have the leprechauns, we have the menahune, we have the fae and gnomes and elves. And just there's, there's so many different names because for every nation, every tribe, there is a little type of little person. Hmm. Yes. And, and just to say, for those of you who listened to my interview with Cliff, Cliff is Aislinn's partner. So he also talked about the little people from his perspective in his book. So you guys are well matched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like to say that the little people brought us together. And I fully believe it. And I grew up not knowing much about the little people other than like what is conveyed through popular culture and Disney and like the movie Fern Gully, <laughs> which just so happens to be in this cool place that we're staying right now. And like, I loved that movie when I was little. And I also um, loved my, when my brother was born, I was gifted a Tinkerbell costume. And I wore that like every day for a year, I wouldn't take it off. So there was some deeper connection happening, but I still didn't know, understand them in that more, I would say like ancient context or indigenous context of these are actually real beings that exist in the physical and also beyond the veil. And they're here because they have many things to teach us and show us about what it means to be a steward to Mother Earth and a steward to the planet and a steward to all of the many relationships that tie us together and give us a, a deep sense of purpose. So like life would be nothing without our relationships. And this goes for not just relationships with people. It goes for relationships also with our environment and sentient beings, even the, the guides and guardians beyond the veil. 
to get back to your question of how did I end up meeting the little people, <laughs> to me, there was a Contumbly voice diviner scheduled to come through the city of New Orleans and do a group divination for a smaller group of people that would be gathered at this home. And it just so happened to be that that home was that of my Reiki teacher. I was in, I think, Reiki level two with her at the time and her husband, and they were good friends. And a couple of weeks prior, I had had an experience where a fairy came and talked to me. And it was the first time that I really identified that it was a fairy, even though I, they had been with me my whole life. I, I now know. Um, and it was very funny. The fairy was just asking for essentially offerings. But at the time, I didn't understand. The fairy was like asking for a bracelet or a piece of jewelry. And I didn't understand, like, why did a fairy want my jewelry? <laughs> but it was asking for like a beautiful offering. That's just how separated. I, I gave that example because it, that's how separated like a certain part of my psyche still was from this reality what it means to be in relationship to the other world. So I mentioned that to my, my Reiki teacher and her husband, and then they kind of looked at each other and he was like, well, there's someone coming here next week who is um, all about the fairies and the little people. And we think that you might want to come check out this ritual, this gathering. And so I did go, and that was really this life-changing experience and moment of reconnecting with the little people through the voices of the contemple, through the diviner that, that brought them through. And they recognized me. They remembered me. I had a full body remembering when I heard them and they kind of called me out and said what they had to say. And there's just tears were flowing. And it was just like that purpose that I'd been searching for all that time finally struck me at such a deep level that I still didn't even know um, the expanse of what had just hit me. Yeah. And as you're talking, I'm like looking at your chart over here. And what really strikes me, I think I shared this with you, but like the placement of your moon is in Maga, which is we're on a full moon day, actually, right now recording this when the moon is full in Maga. Maga is all about the ancestors. And it's actually in the fourth house as well. And the fourth house is our ancestral. It's the darkest place in the sky. So it's a deep place of knowing lineage and trying to discover a relationship there and to like unearth and like disrupt current patterns because you have the nodes there as well. So there's like disruption of this like um, kind of sleeping through life maybe or, mm. you know, there's a disruption to go deeper and to find out what are those lineages? What are the the ancestral pieces that are missing? And then also to share it with others. You know, you also have your son really strong in the 12th, which is good for the unseen, like working in the unseen world. And you went through your sun period, like in the times that you were describing, you were in your mm -hmm. sun period and now you're in your moon period. <laughs> so it doesn't surprise me that you moved to Astoria, Oregon to be near large bodies of water during the moon period because the moon really resonates with water. But that moon is calling you back into this work. You know, it's just really beautiful to see that and see the alignments um, in what you're saying. And I remember before we moved here, I was looking at my um, astrocartography map. And I know it's different than Vedic astrology, but in the astrocartography, Astoria is closest to my moon line. Mm, it makes total sense. And also, the fourth house has to do with home, it has to do with coming back to like, the maternal lineage and to uncover things that may have been lost or misunderstood or 
just magical to Uh, see how those alignments work. And then again, like another thing is you have this creativity that's having all of the benefics in your first house. So there's like this desire to create, to express and to do things in in a different way, you know, an imagination filled way, you know what I mean? So really interesting. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit more about like how this works. So when you're working with a contomble, what is that experience like? How does that work with somebody who's coming to you with a question? Do you consult them on your own, like, and, and ask them questions on the regular? <laughs> like, what is that like? Yes, I do consult them on my own, or rather, they pull me into it. You could say <laughs> it's a pretty much a balance, and they're always with me too. So whether or not I'm voice divining, I still have a pretty clear sense of them being with me and their guidance and their, I want to say direction and their encouragement for me to always be in my sovereignty and be in the driver's seat of my life and live from the heart. But it's like um, having a teammate, like they're in the passenger seat and I'm in the driver's seat, right? (laughs) And they can be kind of um, sometimes very direct about where they want things to go, but it's a good partnership. And it's one that usually is easy when um, when we meet each other in that place of trust and surrender. And so when someone comes to work with the contemple or sit with the contemple, and I like to look at it as a, an intimate kind of personal ritual or ceremony, this voice divination that someone might come and do. In the voice divination, if it's a private one, we'll sit and we'll, we'll begin, we'll ground, we'll share and then I'll go into the divination space and traditionally don't see the voice diviner. So, you know, if we're doing it online, my screen goes off. I begin my invocation and open up the divination space at my shrine, at my altar. And you'll hear rattles and bells and offerings being made. And then the connection with the contemplate is made and they come through in their ancient language. So they're speaking through my voice in their voices and their mother tongue, which is a language that I like to say is like as old as earth herself, perhaps even more ancient. It's a gateway language. So it's a language that when it's spoken, it's opening up a space that bridges dimensions, opens up a space within our own cellular memory. So there's activations that can be received just from hearing their language alone. And then what happens is I translate that into English And often they're very silly. They like to rhyme. They're full of riddles and very to the point. Like they can, even if it's a joke or a riddle, they might like totally just put us in our place (laughs) with our kind of more human, like, (laughs) like the word that is coming to mind is bullshit. Like, like our human shortcomings the way our human short-sightedness, they can kind of put us in our place and anchor us into that larger vision that comes when we truly anchor into the earth and open our heart. And so it's a place of surrender. And so in that voice divination, they're bringing through messages about an individual's life purpose, about their why they're here, what their gifts are, what their medicine is, that like they're looking into a person's um, like, I want to say an expanse of someone's soul, just like when you look at someone's chart and you're looking into all the potentials of all these alignments of the stars. It's like the contemplator looking into all the potentials of this person's 
um, life path and purpose and almost like bringing out and feeding and giving life to it through their poetry and language and riddles that emerge. And all of the requests that they make of us are always calls to action and calls into greater dignity. So they may give a ritual prescription and it will be a ritual to go do, maybe to connect with a a tree by your home or bring something to the ocean. But it's not just, you know, making an offering to the ocean. It's a deeper connection and relationship that's being forged with the contemble there with you while you do this. So it's quite in depth what can happen in the divination space. There's messages sometimes that will be brought through that they take, they can take a long time to integrate. Like when I first met them in that story that I shared with you earlier, there's things that they said to me then that now over five years later are just starting to make sense that I had no idea what they meant then. And so I do the private divinations and I also do group divinations. And those are more in my group offerings and ceremonies where with a group, we will go into that space and they'll bring through messages for everyone because there's messages that they have that are not just for the individual, but they're for the collective, they're for communities, they're for humanity. And so there's really power in being in community when we meet with them, because they say might mean one thing to one person and something totally different to another. But each of those people have like a different key to unlock the same uh, doorway, if you will, or maybe create like a in an innovative t- solution to the, I want to say like the, the soul crushing forces that we face as people right now, mm-hmm. the unsustainable ones too. So having had a reading from you before, mm-hmm. I can contest that that all is true. And there are things that are still integrating about, you know, from the reading that you gave us about this land that we live on and I look forward to having another reading in the near future and like checking in on all of that because it is a lot. It can be very intense and meaningful to get a download. Similar to when people come to me for a reading and I'm I'm like giving them a big download. It's sometimes they need to digest it for a while. So that was my experience, but still very beautiful offering. So If you are looking for better ways to understand astrology and yourself, you are in luck because I have a course out now called The Planets, and it goes in depth into the stories of the planets, their characteristics, how we can have a relationship with them, how they may afflict us and what to do about it. You also learn a lot about karma, about Vedic astrology, what it is, where it originates from, how to read your chart. So it's a pretty in-depth look and a helpful tool for you to better understand astrology. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to weaveyourbliss.teachable.com. You'll see the planets there and you can click through and learn more. I want to ask you like kind of backing out a little bit like about divination as a tool. And like, I have my opinions about like the value of that, but I want to hear you share, you know, how that does help us. Cause you said there are these messages that come through that help you to understand your purpose, you know? So like, what is it about divination in your opinion that is so valuable to the human experience? 
for me, it's about enriching life. It's about helping us to have a deeper understanding of what life actually is. It's not so much about telling the future or getting things right, or if you do this path, if you take this path, it's going to be that percentage much more correct than this path. No, it's not either or like that. It's about being able to understand on a deeper soul level what is and like what your purpose is. And so I keep thinking of Cliff and I really, Cliff really introduced me to the work of Martin Fractal in one of his latest books that is full of all these quotes from his teachings. There's a quote about divination. Again, I'm not going to perfectly say it, but it's essentially like the purpose of divination is to understand what's happening right in front of you right now. Like that's more or less what it is. That is an understanding that is really not popular right now for divination. Like that's something that I think is overlooked. Divination as it becomes more popularized in modern culture and more commodified, people think of it as something to, what is my future going to be? What's my right choice or right decision? And it's more about like, what are all the intricacies of the inner world and the other world in this moment now? And how supported are you? And what relationships are you in? And how is it through engaging with those relationships that you can continue to call more and more of your sovereign self into being? And so it's about a way of living and a way of being. And that's how I've come to understand it. Another thing that the Contemple have taught me, again, it took me like maybe even years to fully understand what they meant by this. But they're saying a diviner divines every day. A diviner divines every day. And at first I thought they meant, okay, so every day I need to sit down at my altar and bring them through. And then I couldn't do that because it takes a tremendous amount of energy to do it every day when you're also doing it for other people. I started to feel like, oh, I'm doing it wrong now. (laughs) And then they came in and kind of made fun of me and laughed at me. And they're like, no, you're not doing it wrong, but a diviner divines every day. And then I started to have this deeper understanding unlock of like, oh, I can look out the window and see this tree or see the ocean and I can divine from this. I can understand something about the relationship of my connection to this entire being in this moment. And then by seeing that and communing with it, it's going to inform all of my choices and decisions hereafter. I love that answer so much. Well, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, what we would say in the Indian tradition is that you're becoming your own guru, you know, and I feel like there's something falling away about us needing somebody else to tell us what to do. And we're stepping more into our own power. And so these tools allow us to reconfirm our intuition infuse a life with poetry, you know, yeah. I think you'd appreciate that metaphor. It's so much more fun to be here. I think having a divining tool too, and it doesn't have to be anything wild. You know, some people are just using their intuition and using an omen or something they see and like kind of interpreting that or, you know, doing a tarot card pull or, you know, not that that's not complicated, but you you don't have to have like formalized training like we both have in order to access that you know it's for everybody to have something yeah absolutely and i think it's again bring it back to relationship right so that you don't need any you don't even need a tarot card like you can look at the wall and like look at the patterns in the wall and if they start talking back to you right or like again using the example of a tree there's going to be things that you see in that that's a reflection of where you're at and 
how you're feeling on the inside. And I think that a lot of people, it's hard to get to that place at first. It's hard to realize how easy it can be. And it's hard to remember how supported we are. And so for me to even get to that place, and I'm sure you went on a somewhat similar journey, it, it meant like it wasn't so much about the training as it was about stripping away the layers of grief uh, that lived inside the layers of conditioning that said that I am separate from this. I am separate from you. And that same thing that says I am separate is the very same thing that says I need something outside of me to tell me who I am and what, what my purpose is. And, you know, I need validation outside of me. So it's kind of like two sides of the same coin. Mm, absolutely. Well, since I did invoke teachings and lineage, maybe you can talk a little bit about your work with Elder Maladoma Somme and how you came to this work which I think is so important just to honor our teachers and to understand where things come from. So anything you want to share about that? Yes, thank you. I did come to this work through the Contomble and the diviner who I met while I was in New Orleans. And I had attended a number of ceremonies with them, just received so many wonderful teachings and felt them really come into my life. It was a couple of years after that original story where I felt this strong pull to go and study with Elder Maladoma. Elder Maladoma who brought the, the teachings and brought this lineage to the West. And Maladoma's name means makes friends with the stranger. So it was kind of decreed to him by his ancestors before he was even born, his life purpose and path of bringing these ways to the West. And so ultimately, when we talk about the contemble and, and ancestralization, the art of ancestralization, the elemental rituals that comes from the Dagra lineage, it all points back to Elder Maladoma. He's the one who brought it here. He's the one who taught the, many of the other diviners that are here. And he's just such an incredible teacher. He passed away in December this last year. And since then, I personally felt such a deepening, almost like the waves of love and heart opening rippling through the communities that have been connected to him, which has been really, really beautiful to witness and is what you would hope that would come from someone crossing over. He just brought so many teachings about that, about what it means to become an ancestor and what, what it means to connect with the ancestors. And so now that he is one, it's kind of like the party's on. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like you can feel like they're, sometimes you tap into it and it's kind of like there's this like rock and roll like <laughs> energy of he's ready to get that message out there even more, even more. Like there's not one second to waste. Elder Maladoma, he's got also some wonderful books out there that you can look into. And his trainings, like the one I went to, which was the Contemble Immersion, where I became initiated as a Contemble voice diviner. I believe that they're still going to be like held by his assistant and the communities that were working with him. So all of that is still alive and that fire is still like being fed. You mentioned ancestor work too. So I want to bring that in here. Like, how does that relate to this process and to working with the little people? Like, is there a tie-in here? Like, what would you say for people who want to do ancestor work that they need to understand or move toward? The tie-in with the contemplate and the ancestors, 
most simply put is that the Kintomble are our ancestors <laughs> and the little people are our ancestors. And I think Western thinking has this idea of like separating these things. Like the ancestors are over here and there are deceased relatives going back our genetic lineages. Oh, so far. And then we have ritual over here and elements there and spirit beings and star beings. And like everything has its own category. When you really make contact with the heart of this lineage, that the way that the Dagra teach it and well, just not even teach the way that they are is that the ancestors are all of that. The ancestors are the ones who preceded this dimension. The ancestors are the one who helped build this earth. The ancestors are alive in the elements. And so it's something you'll find in a lot of indigenous contexts and cultures that like even Martin Prechtel, who I mentioned earlier, like he'll talk about how your people came from that creek or they came out of that mountain or they came from the coyote. The ancestors are all of that. The ancestors especially are also the, are the elements. And so how it's all connected is that it's like the little people are the ones who are here to help us remember how to engage with the elements in the elemental world through ritual and bring ritual to us. They bring culture to us. They bring a memory of how to be in relationship to these things so we can really be good stewards. And then through doing that, we access this like, I want to say like immovable source or this like vast sense of just life that lives inside these beings connected to the other world. Like this, this mountain that I'm staying on right now, Niakani Mountain, is an ancestor. When we're working with the ancestors, we have to remember that we, the, the work to be done to kind of bring healing to our lineage is best supported by first making contact with these ones who are in good health. So we have to call on the mountain. We have to call on the heart of the mother ocean. We have to call on the elements because those are where our ancestors are thriving and alive and full. And we make contact with that. And that energy is what comes and helps move out the distortion and the pain and the wounds that have lived within our lineages and been passed down through all the various traumas that transpired. <laughs> So in light of this discussion, <laughs> what does it mean to you to live in your purpose? Like having discussed all of this, having gone on your own journey to kind of find your purpose and finding it in this beautiful relationship with the little people. Can you sum up like what you think that that is or what that means? I had this idea for, I had these great ideas for t-shirts back before I knew what my life purpose was they were going to be like cool t-shirts that like you could wear to your yoga class. And one would be a centaur, like a, a woman with a centaur's body. And she'd be doing a yoga pose and it'd be, find your centaur. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the other one was a, a porpoise. And it's, what's my porpoise? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that just really wanted to come out. And I think that's important that that came out because I think that our purpose is it sounds very serious and it sounds like it's something that we like need to find to fulfill our destiny. But what the contumbly bring through is this levity to it all. And they remind us that like our purpose can be simply to just be like to just be and to breathe and to like go on a walk through the forest and to have fun and to be in a state of joy and to play. And we see like there is a huge, I want to say, deprivation of play 
in our world. And it's through play and it's through creativity, like you were mentioning earlier, that like creative spark that we really find what our purpose is. And so often people's purposes have something to do with what lights them up the most through play, whether it's they're being playful with others or in their communities or, you know, in their environments. And so if you don't know what your purpose is, play. Go and meet that inner child part of you and see what's waiting to be unlocked because chances are when you were young, you already had a sense of it and it was the things that you loved to do then. I love that. So before we jump into some rapid fires, I'm just curious if there are any messages that you want to share. I, that was sort of one, but like, is there, <laughs> are there any messages from the Comtemple that have been coming through recently that you feel would be valuable for people to hear about? Yes, I think so. And this has to do with kind of the, the transformations that we're undergoing right now as a collective and on the planet. And what they continually remind me and show me is that as sort of these older paradigm structures fall away, that we need to continue to show up to our lives with this sense of dedication and devotion and purpose, because it's each choice that we make every day that helps to dismantle those sort of old grid lines and old ways of being and kind of like choice by choice, day by day like knock them off the playing field. A lot of their work has to do with bringing through reports on what's happening deep inside the earth and what's happening within our environment. And there have been a lot of, one thing that they've been speaking about a lot lately is the movement and the motion happening at the depths of the ocean right now. Back in January, there was a big underwater volcano that erupted in Tonga. Right. And she's actually still, as far as I know, as of last week, was still erupting. They just keep talking about this. And they're saying, like, there's this deep feminine energy waking up from deep inside the earth. And the whole earth is feeling the vibrations and feeling the ripples. And they're saying, it's like, that's Mother Earth's way of like sending out this fire to help unlock and like almost like shake off the grid of adversity and of suppression and oppression of the feminine. What they had to say about that volcano in particular that feels like a good message for today was that when that erupted, it was, they said a huge layer of doubt was being pulled from the collective feminine as a way to prepare us for the resurgence of our ancient matriarchal lines. So this is like the depth that they will go to, right? And so remembering that as we prepare to make contact again or plug in again with these energies that are, I want to say like so big, they're so big, they're so beyond what any one person can hold, these ancient matriarchal lines, right? That, that to just be gentle with yourself and know that a lot of things will fall away. And a lot of those things might even be your own idea of who you are. <laughs> be gentle with yourself and be willing to acknowledge how much you've changed each day each day because the mind is the one that will try to trick us and make us think that things haven't changed but our environment and even the things happening out in our communities and our relationships will be saying otherwise so kind of like keep your eyes open to that keep your heart open and tune into the heart as much as you can every day 
Thank you so much. And that aligns so beautifully with what's been going on in Vedic astrology as well. <laughs> Just like the placement of the the lunar constellations where the moon has been and the new moon right at the beginning of the year and then the full moon and then the new moon. So there's been a lot of that depths, deep like ocean energy, the feminine kind of awakening itself and and looking at some deeper patterns that we may have been submerged for a really long time and so that really resonates all that you said. Beautiful. Beautiful. So let's just do some rapid fires. Okay. And so the first one is what is one piece of advice that has really helped you in your life? From the Contemble. And it was a song that came through. And the lyrics are the advice. And it's very simple. Remember to play each day. I love that. Yeah. Um, so the next one is when you're feeling anxious, confused or frustrated, what is the first thing you do to ground yourself? The first thing I do is acknowledge it and then do whatever I can to come back into my body. I've got a lot of different tools for that. The latest that I've been utilizing is tapping because it's just such a quick one that can really, even if it's just 10 seconds of tapping, it's, it starts to make that connection and kind of create these new neural pathways. And then if I've got a little bit more time, I'll do something like go outside to my earth shrine and offer some water. And just offer that water and ask for like the energy of reconciliation to flow through whatever it is that's bringing this energy. And also the contemplative have been uh, guiding me lately because there has been a lot of frustration emerging with my growth edges. And they've, they've been guiding me and they've said, dive into that frustration because it's inside that frustration that we find the alchemization and our growth edges and like what the change that really wants to be made is living inside it. I love that. Thank you. So this one's a little bit more uh, lighthearted. What is your favorite hot beverage? Right now, my favorite hot beverage is the one I have every morning. It's half almond milk and cacao and half this amazing mushroom blend that was made by my fairy godmother and elder, Cindy. And she makes this giant brew. She came over and helped me make a big pot that's going on my stove every day. And it has reishi, chaga, anise, ginger, milk thistle, cinnamon. It's just like an absolute tonic. <laughs> Keaho has been making a similar powder, but I'm sure when he listens to this, he'll be like, oh, that, I might add anise. He loves <laughs> to experiment. So <laughs> I'll send you the recipe. <laughs> okay, that would be awesome. So the next one is what would be your last meal on earth? It's funny because what popped into my head is totally not what I would choose. So I'm like, who is that? It's like, <laughs> it was like steak and eggs. And I'm like, I think that might be more cliff. Like, <laughs> which is sometimes with food, I'll like get other people's choices before my own. So I feel like my last meal would be like, there's a really amazing, like exquisite from the garden vegan banquet. Like I'm just imagining like a rainbow wrap or just something like so fresh and alive, like fruit right off the tree. Like, even if it was just like one fruit, but it was just right off the tree, like just something that I could just like be so exquisitely present with. I love that. That's, that's such a good answer. And I'm like, you should come visit in August. <laughs> we'll have a big banquet. <laughs> I'm um, there. <laughs> so do you have a morning routine? And if so, what part is non-negotiable? Yes, I have a morning routine. It's always growing and evolving. Right now, the non-negotiable part is I have a, it's called my attraction plan. Like that's the, the funny name for it. But really what it is, is a prayer to myself and a prayer to who I'm becoming in the future that I'm tending. And I'll read it every morning when I wake up out loud. 
and like proclaim it. And, and then usually I do something for whatever it is. I'm trying to do something for mind, body, and spirit. So that's kind of the non-negotiable trio, whether it's you know, two hours or half an hour. Same for me. <laughs> We're very aligned. <laughs> so yeah, tell us about a person who inspires you and why. Well, my first thought just that came right into my head was Elder Melodoma. And he has just been such an inspiration for me, especially since his passing in December. And I felt this desire to really reconnect with his teachings and his his spirit and his essence. And there's no sh- rapid fire answer for why. This whole interview is why <laughs> and my whole life is why. <laughs> yeah. He's got such a humility and humbleness and lives from the heart. And then the way that he delivers his teachings are with just this absolute like genius and exquisiteness. And the way that he really surrenders to the ancestors speaking through him, all of that is an inspiration and his life is an inspiration. Um, what's something that people might not know about you? People might not know this, but I think you know this because I s- told you in a message recently. But when I was 16, one of the first films that I was in, I was a like an extra who was a girl at a club. And it was an indie film that was being shot in Connecticut. And Sting's daughter was in it. When we weren't shooting, we were hanging out in this funny little bar, like somewhere random in Connecticut with a pool table. And Sting's daughter ordered me a drink. It was my first cocktail. So I had my first cocktail of a gin and tonic with Sting's daughter. Her name's Fuchsia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so what are you reading right now? Or are there any books you would recommend? Yeah, I'm reading right now this book called Walking in a Sacred Manner. And I don't remember the authors off the top of my head, but it's all about Lakota medicine women. Mm. Maybe you've read it. I haven't, but I, I'm going to get it. <laughs> it's wonderful. And just has all of these like real life stories, like oral reports and stories from these different medicine women in the Lakota lineage. So the Lakota tradition. So that, and then for recommendations, uh, <laughs> that's so funny. I literally just looked over at the bookshelf in the place where we're staying and it's of water and the spirit by elder Maladoma Sime that I looked at. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I recommend that. Absolutely. What's one thing bringing you joy right now? Just being able to sit and be right here. And like I'm sitting in the sunlight and I'm getting to look out at the ocean and just feel so resourced by my environment. So tell us about the programs, your offerings, how people can find you on social media. Awesome. So on Instagram, you can follow me and sings with trees. My website is singswithtrees.com. And my offerings right now, I've got this wonderful course on ancestral healing that's about to begin this month. When this podcast comes out, though, this that will be in the past. So <laughs> I will probably still be offering it soon. So ancestral healing course, I've got a seasonal membership which is all about meeting every month with the contemple and ceremony in a group. And so we have a group ceremony each month, and then we have a group integration call, and then all of these little fun things in between. That's called the Shrine of the Heart. And then I have private mentoring, like the private divinations that I offer. So, And then something that's in development and in the works will be more, hopefully soon, more in-person 
gatherings and retreats and things of that nature. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all this with us today. I hope that your programs go well and people get in touch with you. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weave Your Bliss podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a comment for us. I want to thank the team at Team Podcast who helped get this podcast out to you. And also to thank the musicians who were the creators of this beautiful music we're listening to now. It comes from an album, Fragments of a Season, by Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantuladesma. So check it out wherever you get your music. Have a wonderful day and we will connect soon on a future episode.